0: If we stood and let's read the scriptures, please, Psalm 23, Psalm 23, a word of prayer before we read. Father, we come to you this morning in need of you, in need of your Holy Spirit to open the scriptures to us and to bless us as we read and consider the truths of your word Lord, would you give us eyes to see something of the depths, of the riches, of the knowledge of God. Impart them to us, we pray, by your Spirit. Write your word upon our hearts and change us this morning. May we know you increasingly. We commit ourselves into your hands. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version. Mm-hmm. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your
1: rod and your
0: staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy. Follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. 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 Please sit down. Well, the last time we were here, which I think was a good few months ago, uh, we looked at this psalm, we looked at the first three verses and we considered the psalm in a way that perhaps many of you have not considered this before. Certainly I haven't done so in detail until very recently. And what we find in these verses is that there are in each of the phrases of this psalm the, a, uh, a description uh, of the character of God as enshrined in the names of Jehovah now just for example if you look at uh, the very first verse the Lord is my shepherd in the Hebrew that is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd and each, uh, each of the names that we find here in this psalm begin with Jehovah now just to remind you that Jehovah means the self-existent or the eternal one. So really, the aim of what I'm bringing to you, both last time and this time, is to get our focus on something of the majesty and the eternity of God. We need to lift our gaze heavenward. As we go through these names of Jehovah, we will not be able to do anything other than just touch on them. And I trust that by the Spirit of God, they will be a blessing to you. And you will be able just to register in your own heart that which the Lord is giving to you. That reminder from God of how he wants to reveal himself to you. I said last time, and let me say it again, that down through... Uh, Down through the history of of the Old Testament, that God revealed Himself in particular ways to His servants. And so the next phrase in Psalm 23, therefore I lack nothing, is a reminder of the way that God showed Himself to Abraham as the provider, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Now, friends, we haven't got time to go through the first three verses again. But if the Lord is uh, is, is reminding you today, for example, that that he wants to be your provider. He can provide for you. With his son, he has given you everything. Then receive that to your heart. Let the Lord be your shepherd and the other things that are mentioned here in this psalm. Uh, But just to explain, because I didn't last time, that each of these names begins with this reminder that God is eternal. In the authorised version, whenever you find the word uh, Jehovah in the original language, L-O-R-D, Lord, is there in bold capital letters. Uh, And it's really a reminder of how the Lord revealed himself to Moses... Uh, you get the the same word Jehovah um, throughout the book of Genesis as well but God revealed his name to Moses as the I am that I am and that really is what Jehovah or the first, or the four letters in the Hebrew Yahweh, y, um, Y-W-H what is it? Y-H-W-H um, Yahweh, Yahweh Uh, God revealed himself as I am that I am. Or perhaps better translated, I will be what I will be. Uh, And uh, if you just turn to Exodus chapter 6, and I make no apologies, we will be moving around the scriptures quite a bit. And if you can't keep up, well, um, you can always listen to it again. Because it will be on the website, I think. Exodus chapter 6 and verses 2 to 3. I do want to give you quite a bit for you to be able to think about, uh, maybe at another time. And to meditate on these scriptures for yourself. So, Exodus chapter 6. You've all found that by now, I trust. Uh, And verses 2 and 3. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. There it is, capital letters. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord, there it is, Jehovah, I did not make myself known to them. So that's, uh, that's a clear example of the way that the Lord reveals himself as, the, uh, as Jehovah, this eternal self-existent, the one who is and who will be. And at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 tells us something else about Jehovah. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 says, For I the Lord, there it is, do not change. Friends, and all the turmoil and the upheaval that you may be facing individually and that the country is certainly facing and certainly the world is facing. Thank God we have one who is not only on the throne. He will be and he is unchanging. And so as we go through these names of Jehovah, God willing, now in these um, last three verses, we got to as far as the end of uh, verse three. But now we look at verses four to six. Remember that in each of these ways in which God has revealed Himself to people, and which are all enshrined here in this psalm, and in a sense, therefore, my friends, David knew the Lord in all these ways, and the Scripture is written so that you can know the Lord in all these ways as well. And as we go through them, just remember that he is these things and can be these things to you and to me today. So, uh, Psalm 23 and verse 4 starts off, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And in each of these ways I'm going to sort of summarise them by how you and I uh, can know the Lord and to know Jehovah in this way. So here, what is the Lord saying? Well, he's saying, obviously, we can know God's ways in overcoming fear. So Psalm ninety-one tells us uh, that <clears throat> uh, if we abide in Him, if we make Him our refuge. We dwell in the shadow of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I, I will say to the Lord, says David, my, rock, my, sorry, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then, if we know the Lord like this, the promise is there. Verse 5, for example, you will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day. And the psalmist had the confidence that, verse 3, it is the Lord who delivers us from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence and he can protect us, etc. And we can know him as our refuge. Well, what name of the Lord is being talked about here? I want to suggest to you that when David says, yes, though I walk, this is an intensely personal testimony. So one might say... And maybe you can think of another name of the Lord that we might be more appropriate for this, but I want to suggest to you at the very least that this is Jehovah Elohe, E-L-O-H-E, which is one of the, the forms of the word Elohim, which is the plural word for God. And Jehovah Elohim means Jehovah, my God. Jehovah, my God. Friends, you can know the Lord. For yourself, If you do not know the great I am for yourself, the possibility is here for you today that you can do so. You have to come humbly to him. You have to come through the person of his son. You have to come willing to commit yourself to him and to trust him. But you can know Jehovah as your God. This can be your testimony. And if you can say, I know the Lord like that, you can also know that the Lord is the one who can bring you through the valley of the shadow of death. Literally, the valley of deep darkness. So whatever difficulties, whatever dark situations you and I ever go through, you can know the Lord as your God. And especially, I want to suggest to you that um, the Lord delivers us, therefore, from fear of death. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 2 and verse 15 says that the Lord Jesus was given in order that we might be delivered from the fear of death. And it is that fear of death that brings bondage to our lives. That's what the Hebrew letter says in the New Testament. And friends, if God has dealt with the fear of death, God can deal with any fear. We are not to be a fearful people. There are different kinds of fears, aren't yeah. there? Some of them are natural fears and, understandably and, and understandable fears. I have a fear um, of the traffic if I'm crossing a busy road. I have a fear of tripping over a chair in the garden when the back light outside the back door is off. Because that's what I did on one occasion and I broke my finger. That's an understandable fear that that may happen again. But there are natural fears which can... Which we can misuse. There are there are natural fears which can which can take over us and 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 which we can become obsessed by, which can dominate us. And God does not want us to have those. We can be, for example, we can be fearful of of getting ill. We can be fearful of the dark. But some people are paralysed by a fear of sickness and by a fear of the dark. And there are unnatural fears. The Bible talks about a spirit of fear. And when we are plagued by an irrational fear like that, you can know Jehovah, God, as your God. He is the one who's able to deliver you. Um, if I'm speaking to anybody who suffers at any time from panic attacks, I would suggest to you that that can be a, that can be a spiritual problem. There's a a root of fear there um, that the Lord wants you to be free from. Now the promise goes on. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. This is Jehovah Shammah, which is the name given by, um, by the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 48 and verse 35, And the Hebrew name there means Jehovah Shammah, means uh, the God who is there. The God who is present. The God for whom we can say that he is with us. We can know God's presence continually. <clears throat> now, friends, we have to be careful. I've heard Christians... <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse And um, saying, God is with me in a rather flippant way. The presence of God is not something that we can take automatically. Neither should we assume that the Lord is always with us. And if you're going to quote to me, well, doesn't it say at the end of Matthew's Gospel, I am with you always, even to the end of the age? Yes, it does. But friend, look at the context of that. And don't take the verse to yourself when you have no right to do so. It was given to the early early apostles in the context of the great commission that God was giving them to go and preach the gospel throughout all the earth. And he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, and I am with you to the end of the age as you do that. So, there's a a general sense, I suppose, in which the church as a whole can know the presence of God in accomplishing that great commission. But does not mean to say that every Christian, in whatever circumstances, can just take the promise, oh yes, God is with me. Let me give you an example of somebody else that the Lord said Uh, I am with you, and we'll just remind ourselves why God said that to him. Joshua, chapter 1, God said, I am with you. Moses had just died. What a time for, for Joshua to know that God was saying to him as he took over the role of leading the people of God, I am with you. That's what we need to pray for King Charles III, that he might know that God is with him. But Joshua's heart was for the Lord. Here was another man that God did not say that same thing. Well, he sort of did, but he qualified it. King Asa. And you'll find this in 2 Chronicles, chapter 15 and verse 2. God said to King Asa, I am with you as long as you are with me. There's a difference, isn't there? What was what was the difference? Was God being fickle? No, because Jehovah, I am the Lord who does not change. God does not change. What had changed? Asa was different to Joshua. And so the Lord says to him, if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Friends, I think this is tremendously challenging, because God knew the king's heart. And for most of that of his reign, he fulfilled the first part of that verse, um, that statement that I've just read. He sought the Lord, and God blessed him, and God used him. But at the end of his life, if from memory, I think in the last three months... He turned away from the Lord, and he did not seek the Lord. And therefore God withdrew his presence. It was a warning here, right at the start of his reign. Uh, God was saying to him effectively, Asa, I know your heart, you have the potential not to seek me. Mm. Here's the warning. If you seek me, I will be with you. Mm. But if you don't seek me, I won't be with you. So friends... You and I, as God's people, can know Jehovah Shammah. It's not automatic. Don't assume it. And don't pretend that God is with you when he's not. So what am I saying? I suppose the outworking of this is, I'm saying we can know the presence of God, but we need to do what King Asa was told to do, which is to seek God. We need to make sure that we therefore are not doing any uncommanded work. If you do something that the God has told you not to do, or if you assume somehow, I mean, maybe this is what Jonah did. I don't know. He ran away from the Lord. He might have said, oh, God is with me. Oh, there's a boat. Marvellous timing. Great blessing. You know, we can we can kid ourselves that the Lord is with us. Friends, and then he, of course, Jonah discovered that God wasn't with him and the storm blew up. Make sure that you do what God has given you to do. And no more and no less. And then you will guarantee that the Lord will be with you. Jehovah Shammah. Uh, Back to Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The testimony, Jehovah is my God. I will fear no evil. God is with me. Uh, For you are with me. Uh, Your rod and your staff comfort me. Now, to get to the name of God here, let's just think about the rod and the staff. The rod is a symbol of authority. It's translated as rod, but sometimes as scepter. So, for example, Genesis chapter 49... And verse 10, prophetically speaking about the coming of the Lord Jesus as part of the tribe of Judah, 49.10, the scepter, or rod if you like, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from beneath, from between his feet. So the rod is a symbol of authority, it's a symbol of rulership. And here it's speaking about the rule of the Lord Jesus. Uh, It was a stick that the shepherd used for discipline, sometimes for fighting for conflict situations. Uh, Let me just give you some references. You don't need to look at them. And I will, if I turn to them, uh, I will explain them. So uh, first of all, 2 Samuel chapter 7 And verse 14, we see that the rod is being used here for discipline. And the Lord says to David, I will be a father to him. Talking about David's uh, succession, the next king. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men. So discipline is going to come through Human agency is what God was saying with regard to Solomon. And of course that's exactly what happened. The rod of discipline. Psalm 2 and verse 9 speaks about a rod of punishment. Again, it is the Lord who is is wielding the rod here. Psalm 2 and verse 9 uh, reading from verse 8 ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance this is the one who's, who's been installed as king on God's holy mountain <clears throat> reading from verse 6 ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth is your possession you will break them with a rod of iron there it is punishment You will shatter them like earthenware. And um, Psalm 45 and verse 6 speaks of the rod being used for rulership. As well as Genesis 49 and verse 10 which we've looked at. Psalm 45 and verse 6. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. It's the scepter of your kingdom. And 2 Samuel 23 and verse 21, you can see how it's used for fighting. So therefore, my friend, what, to pose the question, is, is there something of, of the character of God that is being revealed here through this rod it mentioned in Psalm 23? I would say absolutely. It is lifting our gaze to see that God is the Jehovah Elion, which means the Most High God. The Most High who rules in the affairs of men. And friends, if he rules in the affairs of men, he rules in your affairs as well. He rules in the country. He rules globally. He is the Great I Am. He is the Most High. No one can depose him. No one can shake his rule. Our friends, see him on that throne as the days get darker and as maybe for some of you your own circumstances get increasingly challenging. His, he has a rod. He has a scepter. And it is forever, thank God. But there is a staff as well that comforts. What is this? This is literally a support of any kind. It was a walking stick. It speaks of protection and it speaks of sustenance and provision. Exodus 21 and verse 9, it was used um, for walking. Exodus 21 and verse 19 Um, if he gets up and walks around, uh, walks outside on his staff, <clears throat> speaking in the situation of two people who are quarrelling, it 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 was a walking aid. You and I are called to walk with God. Thank God that walk with God is not to be unaided. There is a staff on which we may lean. As an interesting uh, reference in Numbers 21, verse 18, where you can see that the staff is used for digging wells. Quite how that was used, literally, for digging a well, I really don't know without considering it a little bit more and looking at it a little bit further, but there it is. We have been singing this morning about, about drinking from the wells of salvation. God wants to open up a well for you. It's speaking about provision. It's speaking about, uh, um, it's speaking about refreshing. It's speaking about God, God sustaining you. There is a staff to help you to drink from that water, from that well. This staff is something on which we are to lean on. Kings 18 and verse 21 and then here in Psalm 23 both rod and staff comfort us that is to say we can when we know God as the Lord Most High we are to know God as the one who gives us rest once we know that he is the Most High God that brings a glorious rest Actually, for the word for comfort here, it, 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 it can mean, does mean, to, 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 to ease or to bring relief. And friends, the, the basic need for every human being is to have peace in their hearts. Peace in our hearts. Relief from, from sin. From a guilty conscience. And if you have a guilty conscience you can know the rod and the staff of God coming alongside you, convicting you of your sin, speaking to you about your sin, but giving you that assurance that your sin is forgiven and forgotten. Praise God. So friends, the outworking of this is that we are to to know God's ways in getting through to a place where we know a peace with God. Jehovah Elyon but more than that knowing that he is the most high over all the earth <coughs> well <clears throat> I looked at some of these verses I mean yes I didn't give them to you earlier on um, maybe I should have done let, let, do you mind if we go back a bit I have your full agreement and um, Let's just go back to the first part of the verse. I just to be give you more material to think about. When the Scripture speaks here uh, of Jehovah Elohim, the Lord my God, as the Lord, the Most High, in both these and one or two others as well, there are numerous references throughout the Scriptures to to, to these things. And I looked at just a few in the Psalms, and I noticed something about (coughs) Jehovah Elohim, the Lord my God, is that many of them are to do with escape from death. I think it's significant. So let me give you, for example, Psalm 7, verse 1. O Lord my God, there it is, in you do I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me. And then it goes on to say, Verse 3, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hand, let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Psalm 13 in verse 3, consider and hear me, O Lord my God, lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Psalm 18 and verse 28, for you will light my candle, O Lord, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Have you got the picture? You can walk through the valley of deep darkness. Uh, And so it goes on. I'll finish with this one. There are many others. Look look them up for yourself sometime. Psalm eighty six and verse twelve. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart I will glorify thy name forevermore. for great is your mercy toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the lowest hell. And all God's people said, Hallelujah. Well you didn't. Say it again. Hallelujah. Right. Okay. But at the end of this fourth verse of Psalm 23, the Lord Most High, again, some verses from the Psalms. Psalm 7, again, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 47, verse 2, for the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. And then the one I've already alluded to, uh, Daniel chapter four and verse twenty-four. This is the interpretation, O King, this is the decree of the Most High, which shall which has come upon my Lord the King. And so it goes on, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it gives them to us whomsoever He will. I hope you've got the message. By now. Verse 5 of Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The name of the Lord here is Jehovah Sabaoth. Which means the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. Friends, we can know God's ways in warfare, in spiritual warfare. <clears throat> we can know God's ways in even getting to a place of victory in the warfare. This is what this is speaking about. Here's David saying, You've spread a table before, before me. There is spoil after the battle. It's of interest, I think, <clears throat> that the first mention of these of this particular name of the Lord comes in the first book of Samuel, um, and the second book of Samuel. So, one Samuel chapter, um, one Samuel chapter one, and verses three and eleven. I'm saying significant because this is the life of David. Um, Eventually, particularly um, in 1 Samuel, the early part of his reign, and then uh, the early part of his life, and then when he comes to rule from Jerusalem in the second book of Samuel. But Before that, 1 Samuel 1 <coughs> and verses, verse 3. <coughs> now this man will go up to his, to his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts, there it is, in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phineas, were priests of the Lord there. And verse 11, Hannah made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts. So it was there, it was a recognition in the priesthood at the time. And with Hannah, the mother of Samuel, that God was the Lord of heaven's armies. And then, of course, <clears throat> with David, uh, chapter 17 Goliath's challenge, then uh, verse 45 then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and friends, the very might of heaven can be summoned, can be wielded, can be shown On your behalf, if necessary. Praise the Lord. Friends, do you know the Lord of hosts like that? I don't know what battle situations you may be involved in. All of us are involved in a battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But the Lord of hosts can be with us. The Lord, the God of Jacob, can be our refuge. And more than that, you know, it says in a psalm, David says, the Lord can teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. You know, many of us, if we're honest, are a bit pathetic. We're a little bit weak. We don't know how to fight. We expect God to do it all for us. But... Largely speaking, I mean, there are times when God intervenes and the situation is totally transformed. A person who's come from a a particular background, God rescues them, and the habit, for example, can just be broken like that. But for every one person like that, there are plenty more who, yes, they can say... The Lord has delivered me. The Lord has helped me. But they also have to say, I need to know the Lord of hosts. Because sometimes the battle goes on. It's not that they're getting defeated all the time. It's not that they're they're having to fight from a position of defeat and weakness. Weakness perhaps. But they're fighting because the temptations are continually there. And I would say this, in my limited experience anyway, that actually if we learn to fight, that actually the temptations can grow weaker. Sometimes, of course, they don't. And we have to learn to stand. That's what Ephesians 6 is all about. We have to learn to stand against the wiles of the enemy. We have to learn To withstand and overcome in the evil day. So I'm sorry if that depresses you. You can know the Lord of hosts. That's what I'm saying. And that's no cause for depression. That's a cause for tremendous rejoicing. Hallelujah. And the Lord can use you. Even as he used this strapping 16, 17 year old youth. And the situation can be totally transformed. May the Lord use us. May the Lord really teach us how to stand with him so that we know him as the Lord of hosts. You prepare a table before me. And that reminds me, lunch is fairly soon. We need to get that. You. you anoint, and I've got no idea when we started, so... <laughs> Hallelujah anyway. And um, you anoint my head with oil. Friends, this is speaking of the work of the Holy Spirit to set us apart and to anoint us for ministry and for service. This name of Jehovah is Jehovah Makedesh, which means The Lord, my sanctifier. Exodus chapter 31 and verse 13 is the first time you hear it. Exodus chapter 31 and verse 13. As for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You will surely observe my Sabbaths. This is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And basically, the English sanctify or sanctification means a setting apart from and a setting apart to. So, my simple question to you is this Do you know the Lord? As the one who is setting you apart from sin. Setting you apart from certain situations. Maybe setting you apart from certain relationships. And setting you apart for himself. The Psalm 23 says, you anoint my head with oil. The New Testament tells us that there is an anointing of the Spirit on all of us for teaching. But no more than that. Do not think that you have an anointing to serve God and that you can go out and willy-nilly and lay hands on X, Y, and Z and generally do things that the Lord Jesus did. You can't do that. An anointing is not the same as a baptism. We're called to be all called to be baptised with the Spirit. Spirit, that's the initial filling of the Spirit. What happened with the Lord Jesus? Let him be our, our model. Just think with me what happened. The Spirit of God came down upon him at his baptism, and we read that he went into the wilderness filled with the Spirit. He was then tested for 40 days and 40 nights. He then went into the synagogue at Nazareth, and he stood up to read from the prophet Isaiah chapter 61, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. When did the anointing took place? When the Spirit of God came down upon him? No. As he read that scripture, because as he read the scripture, he then finished up by saying, as you listen to me this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And it was at that point that his ministry began. And friends, therefore the challenge is, if we are to know Jehovah Makedesh, it means that we know the Lord who can bring us through to a place where he can anoint us for service. He can bring... The church of Christ through to a place where there is a, a, a greater authority and a greater effectiveness in service. I leave the challenge with you. The end of verse 5 of Psalm 23. My cup runs over the blessing of God such that it will affect other people so that we can recognise that the Lord is with them as well. Jehovah Eloheka, the Lord your God... Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 58. If you are are not careful to observe all the words of this law... ...which are written in this book... ...to fear this honoured and awesome name... ...the Lord your God. There's a recognition that we can know something of uh, of the Lord... ...in other people. The Lord your God. Verse 6 of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy... Shall follow me all the days of my life. What is this saying? This is knowing God's sovereignty and control over our lives. Knowing that the blessing of God will pursue us. In particular, his goodness and his mercy. And therefore, the name of the Lord here that is sort of enshrined in this first part of this verse is Jehovah Adonai, which means the Lord God. Adonai means The sovereignty of God. The control of God. Friends, what a place to come to where you know the Lord like that. And you can say with absolute certainty, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Here are three scriptures that link this name with God's mercy and goodness. Psalm 109 verse 21. 109 verse 21. But do thou for me, O God the Lord, there it is, for your name's sake, because your mercy is good. Deliver thou me. Ezekiel 39 verse 25. Therefore thus says the Lord God, now I will bring again the captivity of Jacob, and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. And 2 Samuel 7, verse 28, And now, O Lord, you are that God, and your words be true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Amen. Friends, you and I can know the goodness and mercy of God pursuing us all the days of our, of our lives. I trust that's your experience to date. <clears throat> and finally, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. we had earlier on this morning psalm 95 will you turn there please <clears throat> psalm 95 <clears throat> <clears throat> and verse <clears> throat> throat> verse 6 come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker And there is the name of the Lord, Jehovah Asa, A S A, or I think that's at least that's the verb. Maybe slightly different here, but um, it means the Lord, our Creator, the Lord, our Maker. It's saying this of God that He is the one who does it all. It's all of God. And I think this is tremendous. David's really saying, Lord, I recognise that you are going to be the one who's going to be with me in my life. You're the one who's going to be my shepherd. You're going, you're going to be the one who's going to be my, my provider. You're the one who's going to restore my soul. You're the one who's going to bring me to those still waters. You're the one who's going to be with me even in the valleys of deepest darkness. You're the one who's going to be with me when confronted by my enemies. You're the one who's going to give me the victory. You're the one who's going to pursue me with your goodness and your mercy. And you're the one who's going to bring me to my eternal home. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is saying that that the work is God's. This is what the Apostle Paul recognised. Colossians 1 and verse 29 I labour, please notice he had a part to play, but I labour according to his working which works in me. It's he who does the work in us. We have to cooperate with him, but it's his work in us. It's he who brings the work to completion. Philippians 1 verse 6. That my God who has begun such a good work will go on and bring it to completion at the day of Christ. And he is the one who uh, who does it, who does who does the work. So Psalm 100, verse 3, a few psalms first, a little bit later on. Know that the Lord himself is God, it is he who made us. And he is the one who, who's made you physically, he is the one who's made you the person you are in Christ. He is the one who will then go on doing the work until he brings you to your eternal. Jehovah Esa, the Lord, our creator. Well, I trust that this little series in Psalm 23 has at least opened your eyes to something of how great and how wonderful our God is. May God write these things upon our heart and reveal himself to us more and more. Let's pray, please.